You're listening to your art friends, Beth Radloff and Andrew Thompson. They're about to have a thoroughly unserious discussion about art. But don't worry, whether you're Da Vinci or the worst, there's room on this palette for every color. If this is your first time listening to Creatives Brainstorm, be forewarned, because once you start looking at life like an artist, there's no undo button. I'm Beth. And I'm Andrew. And, and we're, we're your, your art, art friends. friends. Let's hang out for an hour. Yeah, let's do it. Or maybe a little more. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I hope that's okay with you guys. I hope that you don't come to the podcast expecting it to be exactly an hour and then you're out. I mean, if they clicked on it, they should have seen the time code. <laughs> they knew what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. Plus, we're funny, so it's okay. I we are it's so hard to say you're funny. <laughs> I'm only saying that because you're funny, so like by association that makes me funny or at least funnier. And see, I think you're funny, so it's cool for you to say it and I'm like, yeah, that's true. Oh, I saw a TikTok. I sent it to somebody the today, I think. Yeah. Probably me. Andrew no. <laughs> sent, sends me like 40 TikToks every hour. If you are my friend and we are friends on TikTok, you will know how much I love you because of how many TikToks you get from me. It's your love language is TikTok sendings. I should update. I should go update my Hinge and Bumble profiles right now to say my love language is TikTok. <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw this TikTok and it was this this person. They were talking about how they just got done talking to their therapist, and they were like, "Oh, my therapist just told me that, like, you know, if you." If somebody compliments you and say like, I'm like, oh, Beth, like you're, you know, so nice and wonderful and your artwork is so great. And you're just like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not that good. You are. They said that their therapist told them that they were invalidating how the other person, like the other person's lived experience of who they are. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like. I'm going to really try hard to not like, like when somebody's like, oh my God, you're like, your art is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And they just like shower me in compliments. Like, I'm going to have to try so hard to resist my Midwestern tendencies to be like, oh no, it's, I'm not, it's, oh, like, I'm not that good. So that was something that, that I saw this week that I was just like, oh shit. I was like, that's, that's a good, good bit of uh, advice to live off of right there. It really is. Yeah. I we have not talked about like what what's been going on. So like what's going what's going on with you this week? I'm having a crisis. Yeah. In my artwork. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm real excited. I'm I'm full of energy. I don't know. I haven't been paying attention to astrology, but I feel like there's some kind of fucking blood moon thing energy that's beaming down into my brain. Yeah. But I've been generating ideas and working on uh personal pieces and moving through my own hangups about how allowed I am to draw what I want. Yeah. I keep being like self-conscious about that. I want to draw spirit rats. It's hard for me to like talk about sexy spirit rats, sexy lounging spirit rats. And the more that I talk about it, the better I feel about it. So I'm going to keep talking about it. Yeah. 
And I just recently found an artist who I will talk about at the very end of today's episode who has just blown the doors wide open for me. It's so good. It's so good. He makes artwork that give me the freedom to make the artwork that I want to make but didn't know I was allowed to. That makes sense. So that's that's what I'm reckoning with this week. How about you? Uh, my week's been pretty decent. I, I just had, like, it sucks that, like, when you are, for our listeners, when you are a working artist, like, you might sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, and, like, mm-hmm. you just can't talk about what you're working on. And that's where I'm at. Like, I'm working on this really fun, cool project, but none of y'all will know what the hell it is until February of 2022. Uh. And, That's so long from now. And it's so long. It's so long from now. But, like, I've been really, like, vibing with the art director. We get along really well. Like, um, I, I, like, was able to, like, jog across the finish line for this month's, like, quota of, like, work. Because, like, we've scheduled out, like, okay, like, to hit our goal of, you know, you being finished by the end of October, um, like, we need to hit these, like, milestones each one of each month. And I, like very easily just like jogged through the finish line on this one what does that feel like oh it was great it's so rare to have like i mean you know this as an artist like it's so rare to have a moment where you're like doing a freelance project where you are not like panicked at the end and like staying up late to finish stuff whether it's your own procrastination or like last minute edits or something like that yep Oh, I know. I feel like a part of growing up as an artist is learning how to manage that that's going to happen oh, yeah. and mitigating it as much as you can. Yeah. But yeah, I've been working on that one big freelance job that I can't talk about, but it's been going really well. And class nice. is almost done. I'm excited about class wrapping up. I've got I'm one. taking off my sweatshirt because I got hot. I'm, cu- I'm sorry. I did not need to say that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I shouldn't drink coffee when we do this podcast. It's so funny, though, when you do. <laughs> okay, what's up? I was saying I'm, I'm also almost finished with the semester because um, I'm teaching two classes. I don't know if I said that in the first episode. And then I'm not. I'm done teaching for the year after that. That's so exciting. Yeah. Like, I do like teaching. Yeah, but you've just been doing it for a minute. Yeah, I've been teaching since like either late 2015 or early 2016 and this will be the first semester like the fall semester will be the first semester that i'm not teaching so it'll be interesting to watch me um devolve into not knowing what day it is (laughs) welcome to the club yeah today uh we're gonna be talking about how fictional artists are depicted in television and film. Um, who knows? This might become a recurring segment called Let's Get Fictional to the tune of Let's Get Physical. Because, um, again, this is a horny podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be like, I think that's my 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 like running joke that I've decided that I'm just going to like try to say that every single episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it stops being true, but Andrew keeps making it true by saying that we are. <laughs> Yep. It'll never stop being true, though. This Sometimes you have to make things in order to find out what kind of things you make. And we make horny podcasts. Yeah. We didn't know. One day I want to have business cards that are it's just like on one side, it's like your art friends. And on the back, it says a horny podcast. 
no one's gonna listen. Never when you hang that out, they're like, that I I don't want I don't want this. <laughs> oh god. Or like that's the text. Is tag. this like one that's of those sex websites? I no. Why, why is it called your art friends? I don't understand. Are all artists horny? And we're like, yeah. Have you looked at art? To see the statue of David? Come on. um but yeah we're gonna look at a couple examples of fictional artists and in different media additionally as working artists we're going to talk about how believable these artists are like and and we'll get to that later Um, excited for that and then the last one is why do you think these creators of these artists like the directors the writers whoever you know decided to make up this character why did they depict them the way they did and wrong answers are are more than welcome. Yeah, wrong answers only. Yes. Except that I'm going to try to actually answer that, because I think it's interesting. Yeah. But first, Andrew. My favorite. I have my a, favorite game. I have a query for you, Andrew. Yes? Every time your pencil brushes the paper, instead of that lovely scratching noise, would you rather... It emit the voice of a furious Russian man loudly berating you, <laughs> or it salaciously flirt with you in perfect, clear English, and it's very inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> See, you were you were saying you were like before this, you were like, yeah, you know, even even as we move away from being a horny podcast, Andrew is going to make this a horny podcast. But little did I know that Beth had a plan to make it a horny podcast before I even said anything. Back pocket horny, baby. Uh, Honestly, I feel like, okay, both of them would be jarring at first. Yeah. Like when it first starts happening, it it would fuck everything up. You would you would no longer be able to draw straight lines anymore. And mm. I would probably send Cadence out of the room because she would be so afraid of what was going on. Yeah. Um, she would just hear, like, voices coming out of nowhere anytime I touched a pencil or stylus to screen or paper. But I feel like over time, both of those wouldn't really matter anymore because you just get used to it or you'd put headphones on and, like, you just, you know, drown it out. So what would you rather not get used to over time is then the question, eh? I think the second option, I think the the flirtatious voice, because that one, at least at the beginning, I think, wouldn't be as, like, jarring. Mm-hmm. Like, it'd be like, oh, my God, like, that's so filthy. But, like, it wouldn't be like, Jesus Christ, like, that's so loud. You like it, though. Like these are these two options are distracting in very different ways. I mean, I am a single I am a single man. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you're choosing to have the Russian man. No. Oh. <laughs> no, I I was choosing the flirtatious voice. You said that if you uh listened to this for long enough, you would be desensitized to yeah. it. So you w- would be okay with de- being desensitized to the dirty talk. Of a of a lovely, sexy pencil. Yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> like I'm more no. See, my whole thing is I'm more concerned about the short term. So like that that pocket where you're like freaked the fuck out every time you touch the pencil or the stylus to the screen or paper, and then like either loud screaming comes out of your pencil or like a flirtatious like 
smooth voice comes out. Um, yeah, I'd pick this the the flirtatious voice because it's gonna it's it's gonna be less jarring to listen to in the short term. I love this because in the long term, once COVID is no longer a, a immediate concern and we go back to sketching in the coffee shops, Andrew's going to be that weirdo in the corner <laughs> who's just like looking at people to draw. And then every time he starts mark making, you hear from the corner. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you, fingers, you, think it wow. would, you think it would be better to just be like, ah! Like, <laughs> I <laughs> like a coffee shop is supposed to be like at least calming where I feel like at least the flirtatious voice is at least like kind of like in the ASMR vibe. That's true. I imagine if I was in that coffee shop mm -hmm. and you were there drawing and I started hearing this, if it's the right kind of vibe in the shop and we've got like yeah. lo-fi music playing on the mu uh, overhead, I I'm just going to assume that that's part of the track. Exactly. Hell yeah, dude. Forty <laughs> podcast. Cheers. Yeah. Like how dare you have a, a horny question <laughs> after you claim like oh yeah no we're not we're we're not trying to be a horny podcast anymore but andrew's gonna make it that way and then you fucking pull out a pre-planned horny question i i recognize why you're upset and uh, i want to apologize to you because i think you're right <laughs> Time to get into the the meat and potatoes of this. We're going to talk about some fictional artists. Um, yeah. So first and foremost, I had to I had to get this one out of the way because this is the one that inspired this segment. So I'm of course talking about Megan Fox in the second Transformers movie. Of course, everyone of course, knew it. Everyone, all artists, Fa famous artists depicted in media. Megan Fox in the second Transformers yes. movie, not the first one. You know, the one where Optimus Prime rips off the bad guy's face while saying, "You picked the wrong planet. Give me your face." That's a line, Michael Bay. What are we doing? He legit says that. Oh, the robot punching is so fun, but the words, silent movie, please. That is that is exactly what Optimus Prime says as he rips the face off of the fallen, the the main villain of of <laughs> of Transformers. Um, God, what is the title? I had it a second ago. It's like Return of the Fallen or some something like that. Um, but anyway, Megan Fox plays the love interest of Sam Witwicky, played by Shia LaBeouf, who is uh, is 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 in his own right an artist. Because he did like a couple uh, shows in L.A. or something like that. That there yep. was some some stuff that went around that. We have opinions. Yeah, the uh, art world has opinions. Yeah, her character uh, Michaela Baines was a skilled mechanic and former car thief, so not at all defined as an artist. Um, but this this scene just irks me, so I had to bring it up. So at the beginning of the movie, she's shown airbrushing a motorcycle, and she's holding the airbrush at a 45-degree angle to the gas tank <laughs> that she is painting. Um, you could make the argument that she's not an artist, but as an avid fan of the show Overhaulin, uh, I'm going to say that she is for the sake of this. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's really all you need to know about the character of Michaela Baines from Transformers. So for those of us, like me, who yes. do not use airbrushes... Yes. What, why can't I hold an airbrush at a 45-degree angle, Andrew? 
because you don't get smooth lines and you're supposed to hold it parallel to the thing that you are painting on. I see. Uh, it, 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 and I, like, I didn't take, like, necessarily lessons on how to airbrush, but, like, I learned from, like, watching Overhauling. I learned from watching some, like, tutorials online. So it's it's not hard to know that this is a basic technique. Yes, this is this is like if you ever try to airbrush and you're not like parallel to the thing, you're gonna get like a big, um, soft shape. You're not gonna get hard lines and edges, which is like, you know, when you're painting with airbrushing, unless you're trying to get like a sunburst effect or something like that. Which like, she's not. She's not. It's just it's just it like she's just painting, and you're just like there's there's no. There's no paint in that. I know there's no paint in that. <laughs> That's something that bothers me about filmmaking is some of the falsehoods that you yeah. find out about. Like coffee no cups have nothing liquids. in. Yeah, nothing, nothing in them. You knew it. Yeah, because exactly I am what I was a fan. Say. Of, I am a fan of Gilmore Girls. There's never coffee in any of their goddamn coffee mugs. Empty cups. It'll drive you mental when you think about it. They talk about it. coffee all the time in that show, and they never have coffee in their goddamn coffee cups. That's why they talk about coffee all the time. I don't ever actually get coffee. <laughs> weird Gilmore Girls rant, but... That was a weird... I liked it. It's good. Big fan of Gilmore Girls. Love Gilmore Girls. Actually did some art of Gilmore Girls. Really? Yeah. I did... Um, with Gallery 1988, I did... There was a show of theirs uh, where it was like postcards from fictional places and TV and movies. And I did Luke's Diner set up as Nighthawks. What's it... What's it like to make art for one of the coolest pop art galleries in Los Angeles, Andrew? Oh, it's no big deal. Is, how, do you, <laughs> how would you suggest that a little artist like me could maybe um, do do that too, Andrew? Email them. Is that it? Like like uh, little artist Andrew did back in 2014. Don't rub it in. Just email like, and this goes for anybody listening. Like, if there's a art gallery or something that you want to participate in as an artist, yeah, just email them and be like, "Hey, uh, I really love the stuff that you do, and uh, I think I would be a very good fit." Here are some examples attached to this email. I would not recommend my technique, which has been to uh, go to the shows and silently wander around, hoping that somebody looks at you and says, "You look like a good artist." Please be a member of this community. Uh, it doesn't. You should work. have shown them a butt. I sh should I have? I don't know. Like on you think like, that would have worked the same out? way that we became friends? Maybe <laughs> context matters, Andrew. Yeah. If we're at an opening gallery show and I'm in the corner with my iPad, just showing a bare ass performance art. <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe it would work. You never. But know. I'm I'm gonna legit take no. that advice. Uh, because that's a goal of mine. I, I want to start being in group shows at galleries that I admire. Yeah. And 1988, Gallery Nucleus, Spoke but, Art. But, but, would you like me to, you know, send them an email with you attached to it and be like, hey, look, Beth is cool. You should, you should have her in some shows. Yeah. Okay. I can do that. Okay. You know what? I'm setting it. It's mm -hmm. a goal. It's a goal during the run of this podcast that at some point I get to show at a gallery because Andrew was my good my good angel friend. Yeah. And we're going to bully Beth to do it. Okay. <laughs> but like nice right. nice bullying. No mean 
no mean stuff. No mean stuff. Yeah. They can't they can't just be like can't be like, Beth, you're so dumb, you didn't you get into this gallery. Like none of that. None of that. It has to be like, Beth, what are you doing? You know you're capable of being in this gallery. You're more than capable of being in this gallery. Why don't you message them? Fill my Twitter mentions. Yeah. Fill my Twitter mentions with just positive reinforcement. Just yes. positive aggressive positivity. <laughs> but yeah, that that's uh that's our little bit about Megan Fox and Transformers 2. But uh, had to get that out of the way before we get to our next ar- fictional artist. So in case you didn't know this, uh, because I felt pretty dumb, because it's been a very long time since I've seen Titanic by James Cameron. But Rose and Jack are totally fictional. Like, I don't know why, but in my brain, I was just like, yeah, they're... they're Historical beings? It's like real people. These p- people existed. No. No, they didn't. Aww. The Titanic did. Obviously, yes. That's what happened. Is it, it led you to assume that all yes. depicted characters on the Titanic. Fun fact, there was a Jay Dawson, uh, but it was uh, a different J name. It was not Jack. It was something else. That's a really fun fact, Andrew. Yes. He was a worker. He was a worker on the ship and went down with the ship. So I had a lot of fun when I was listening to that. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Jack Dawson. Um, because I'm sure we have all at some point or another quoted the draw me like one of your French girls <laughs> line. <laughs> it's been so long that I haven't seen Titanic and I've seen that meme yeah. that now when you say draw me like one of your French girls, yeah. a image of a lounging pug appears in my brain instead of Rose. Why this is? I can't tell you. Yeah. Just years of the internet have poisoned the well of my brain. Yeah. You know, I've had friends say this to me as a joke because I was an artist, like, growing up when I worked at, like, uh, this, the summer camp I used to work at. I had friends that were counselors who would, like, jokingly say this to me because mm-hmm. they wanted me to draw them. <laughs> they would, you'd walk into the counseling office and they'd just be nude on the couch, like, Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> draw me like one of your French girls. And you're like, oh, my, my Brad, buddy, Al- no. Yeah, like, my buddy Alan, or not Alan, Evan. My buddy Evan was the one that I'm thinking of right now that said it to me once. Um, You've seen his dick. Shouts out, Evan. (laughs) Um, But yeah, to refresh your memory, Jack and Rose, they they kind of first bond uh, when she she is about to jump over the railing of the ship and Jack saves her. And then to kind of reward him, she gets her fiance to invite Jack to to uh, have dinner with them in first class. Um, and so he comes to first class and has dinner with them and, and goes through like the, the the evening with them. And, and they both kind of bond over this. Um, and at one point he has his sketchbook and Rose takes it from him. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what have you got? What have you got in this? And she starts like looking mortifying, through it. mortifying thing to do to any artist. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, never do this. You will give an artist a heart attack if you just, like, give me that. No, you uh, just took my diary. That's my soul. That's all my secrets. Yeah. Actually, it was funny. In high school, I used to refer to my sketchbook as my soul. And it, like, that's I carried not funny. it around, That's like, so real. That's amazing. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so she, she, she grabs the sketchbook and she starts looking through it. And at first she's like, like, what are you, some kind of artist? And then she's like, oh, oh, you're, you, you are an artist. You're, you're a quite good artist. And she's like looking through 
Um, and then she starts to tease him about some of the, the, the drawings. And one of them specifically is a uh, one-legged sex worker that she teases him about. And she says, you must have had a love affair with her because I've seen you draw her multiple multiple times. <laughs> okay. And he was like, <laughs> and he, yeah, I, I was like, this is kind of like strange, but I was like rewatching the scene. And then he responds with like, oh, just with her hands. And he was like very drawn to like her hands and, and using like drawing her hands as like mm-hmm. a subject. Um, and, and Rose like, only knows like viewing other bodies as being something romantic. Whereas an artist is like, no, this is a thing I'm interested in. There's beauty in this. It's not, I'm not, yeah. we're not having sex. Yeah. Yeah. So he says that just with her hands, which I like, I'm glad you picked up on it. But that was actually one of the things that I liked about it was I was like, oh, that's so like, we'll get into it later. But it's so true of an artist to like mm-hmm. pick out like one weird detail of like, oh, I really fucking love drawing this nose on this person. Or like, yeah. I really love drawing these hands um, and, and stuff like that. Uh, but anyway, not long after that, uh, she asked him to draw her like one of his French girls as she is um, showing him this necklace that her fiance gave her. The the heart of the sea, I think is what it's called. And and several times in this scene, like as they start to get into the very steamy scene of, of, of him drawing her, Jack stumbles and like stutters over his words as Rose undresses. And I was just like, part of me was like, okay, you you've drawn how many how many like nude nude people like well, come on you you have you ever drawn the nude form of a person who you want to uh shortly thereafter go to the pound town with no get into the car and drive to pound town it's <laughs> <laughs> a key distinction that's fair but i did there was part of me that was like like this guy, he's he's acted like he's this is his first life drawing. Like he's over here giggling behind the sawhorse with his sketchbook. <laughs> he's about to draw like everything but the genitals. Like he's uh-huh. just gonna get to the genitals and it's gonna be nothing. Nothing. That's secrets. Yeah, like and that was just something like I don't know if it was just I was it was very late at night, but I thought it was funny. Um and then once she lays on the couch, he starts to direct her into the position for the drawing. Uh, cue the piano version of My Heart Will Go On. Uh, and yeah, then you start seeing like clips of him like, you know, like looking down and being very serious and sketching and, and, and her like, you know, smiling as he's like so focused on her. Uh, and then you also see clips of like hands drawing the portrait. Uh, but fun fact, those hands drawing Rose are actually James Cameron's hands. He's the one He's that did all the illustrator. sketches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found that out recently that James Cameron yeah. began before he was a director. He went to art school, was an illustrator, was an artist. Yeah. And uh, you don't have to be what you went to school for, turns out. I mean, I bet that helps him like frame shots and like figure out like interesting shots better. Definitely. But yeah, so so our second artist is is Jack Dawson from Titanic. And then our last artist is another, you know, just super well-known fictional artist, uh, Isaac Mendez from Heroes, season one. So to- topical. What a topical <laughs> right. pull. Right. right. Uh, well, like, this is another one, too, that, like, just came to my head when I was, like, uh, workshopping this idea with Beth earlier this week and I was just like I don't know like wait, let's talk about like artists and media 
mm-hmm. in my head I was like, I'm for sure gonna talk about Megan Fox. And then I was like, but what what other artists are there? And then I was like, Heroes. So if you remember the hit show Heroes, you probably remember Isaac. He was a big part of season one, you know, when the show was still good. Ooh, get wrecked. Right? Burn. Sick burn. So he was important because he could literally paint the future. And uh, some some little facts about Isaac. He is a comic book artist of a fictional comic that is popular in the show. And uh, he's also starting to really uh, become well-known in the art world. And he starts working with an art dealer named Simone. And then he and Simone end up like kind of dating and they become like boyfriend, girlfriend for a while. So part of his whole character arc is one, He's like never pictured without paint on his clothing, like the entire time. Like pretty much every scene you see him, he's got like paint on him. Mm-hmm. He also lives in New York City with a big ass loft. Like he lives in this huge loft that just it's it's gorgeous, has like all this natural lighting. Um, very jealous, and they show him struggling with addiction and 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 heroin. And his girlfriend, Simone, at some point, like, tries to encourage him to go to rehab. But he's stuck on the idea that his drugs make his art. Wow. Yeah. And that he will lose his spark if he goes to rehab and sobers. sobers I really like these three artists that you've chosen to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. They. I have some things to say. This is cool. (laughs) Yeah. There's so much, there's so much on Isaac Mendez because I was like going through it and like he basically predicts that like there's going to be the like he does a painting of this like nuclear explosion that happens in New York and he becomes so obsessive with it of like stopping it and and making it not happen Um, because he realizes that his his paintings are like predicting the future accurately and at some point he ends up actually um painting a picture of peter and simone like kissing and Mm -hmm. then sure enough like because he paints the future um simone ends up kissing peter because like the whole thing of him not wanting to go to rehab and then her like kind of having a falling out with uh with isaac and then after that he ends up painting a portrait of himself with his head sliced open predicting his eventual death and these are predictions they're not uh He's not creating prophecy. Um, yeah. So like, had he not painted that, it it still would have happened? I think so. They don't go too much into that. It's just kind of like, if he paints it, it's going to happen. Sick, 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 sick. It kind of reminds me of that show, like that Hallmark TV show where the guy got the newspaper that like had tomorrow's events. And it would like... You watch Hallmark TV shows? My mom did. Okay, but you I was just a Hallmark child. <laughs> I was just a child that grew up in the room where it happened. <laughs> oh, Aaron Burr could only wish. <laughs> hey, Beth. Yeah. A- yeah, Andrew. <laughs> I forgot how we do this. <laughs> Can we talk about color? Absolutely, yes. Yay. So, yeah, Beth, I want you to tell me, uh, when do you think the first black light fluorescent paint was invented, and how do you think it was invented? Okay, let me take a stab at this, because the real answer is I have no idea. Mm -hmm. 
But that's not a fun way to answer a question. So instead, I'm going to say black light fluorescent paint was invented during the Renaissance to be able to better depict God. Don't you see, Andrew? When we paint things on big canvases or paint things on walls, whilst the sun is up, we can see it. And we can we can look at the face of God because that's the church was the only one paying artists to make artwork. You want to talk about comic art back then? Holy shit. Not that wasn't a career at all. Anyway. What happens at night? Huh, Andrew? You can't see God. He's not. It, the light's gone. It's so dark. It's we can't see it at all. And so, and so, the rich folk were like, mm, "We got to keep, we got to keep everybody under our thumb." So we're gonna invent special light bulbs. We know light bulbs don't exist yet, but what if, what if black, what if the rich people were inventing regular light bulbs and they fucked up and they invented black light bulbs first, because they're dumb and. It it did emit light, but it made everything look real weird. But they were like, you know what is interesting? Uh, bodily fluids show up real bright here. So what if we take the science behind why that's happening and mix it with pigment and then paint faces of God all over the city and just set up these little black lights? And then when folks are running around at night trying to be naughty, daddy's watching. <laughs> sky Sky Daddy. Sky, sky Daddy's, daddy's watching. Watch. You know, nothing says nothing says um, that it's linked to religion like bodily fluids. <laughs> when you first said that, I was just like, mm. <laughs> like let her let her finish her thought and then and then make this joke. Um, but yeah, true story, true story, true story. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's my best uh, guess. Was I right? No. Damn it. Very, very, very off. The moment I realized that light bulbs weren't around, I was like, oh, no, I've dug myself <laughs> into too dark a pit, ironically. The the first black light fluorescent paint was actually created um, in Ohio in, like, the 1930s by what? a guy named Joseph Switzer. That It's that recent? Yeah. Oh my god. Um so how it happened uh it, it it's a, a complete like random ass story for how it happened. So Joe Joseph Switzer and his brother um invented the paint and it all happened because in the summer of 1933 Bob was a pre-med student at the University of California at Berkeley found a summer job uh and at some point he got injured. And he had a skull fracture and a partially severed optic nerve and double vision. And the doctors were like, you have to stay in this dark room for like several months. And you like have to have to be in here until this like until you recover. That'll mess you up. There's so much stuff about like people who live in caves and like you lose total sense of time and your whole all your body circadian rhythms get real bananas yeah so during this time uh bob and joe developed a curiosity about fluorescence uh, which they investigated using a portable black light amongst the materials stored in their family's pharmacy and uh yeah this kind of led to them creating creating the first fluorescent black light paint wait which one of them 
had Joe, broken eyes? Joe is the one that... So the doctor was like, you need to live in this dark room for months until you recover. And then Joe was like, I don't want to. I'm going to go into my shed with Bob. Well, I think Bob was probably the one that, you know, went to the shed and did that kind of stuff. But it basically said the doctor recommended he avoid bright light. So they invented dark light. Well, they well they had a they had a black light already. They just invented paint that could be seen under black light. Just as a fun thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. God, well, and that hasn't been around for a hundred years yet, dude. I wish that they. I don't know if they're still around. They're not. They're dead, right? Doesn't matter. I wish Joe could come with me back in my college days to a, a black light party. And he could see what we're doing with it now, which is just to paint mm-hmm. our bodies with a bunch of patterns and then take dan- do little dances. People were probably on drugs. I didn't know. I was an RA. Nobody talked to me, but it was pretty. So it looks like in 1934 was the, the earliest that they created their first company, the Floor S Art Co. Wow. Partnered with a San Francisco artist. Delmar Gray to produce fluorescent displays for commercial advertising. Fluorescent and blacklight art, it's a large genre and it's a cool thing, mm-hmm. but it doesn't get the respect that a lot of other mediums do. And I wonder if it's because it's a baby. Maybe. He apparently, one of the things that led to the development of it is he had a, he did magic. And so he had a magic routine that involved fluorescent <laughs> paint. <laughs> this guy seems rad. Do you think he also has, like, a cool studio apartment with, like, big windows? He's the artist. He would be the artist who has, like, the entire, like, studio is just painted black. Mm. And he could just, like, like His close. hates him. And he has, like, blinds that are, like, the, 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 like, complete blackout blinds that just, like, black out all light. He liked, he liked living in the dark. He wanted yeah. to pr- continue doing that for the rest of his life then, huh? That's actually how Batman was created. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about the artists, but I want now to talk about how believable. I mean, obviously we have a character who has like superpowers, so we're not going to touch on that. But like now I'm going to go back through and kind of highlight the things that I think make them, you know, that are, I think are be- believable about them as an artist and how they were depicted as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm an artist, so I can say whether or not I think this is true. Yes, exactly. We are, we are, we are qualified. We are qualified. We have the stamps. We get the newsletter. So like I said, when I was in high school, I learned how to airbrush, and it drives me insane seeing how Megan Fox was airbrushing that gas tank in Transformers 2. And just because of that, like, two out of ten believability, cannot, cannot, cannot get into it. Like, I just, trust Andrew. He knows how to airbrush. I yeah. know about pinstriping. Yeah, I don't think she did that. Well, then I can't give a rating besides to reflect Andrew's two out of ten. And it's also only, like, the very first opening scene of the show, or the movie, um, that she's she's airbrushing. But I thought it was still, it like... It stuck with like, you. This was an important moment in cinema. Clearly. In cinema's history for Andrew Thompson. 2007. So that was, let's see here, 14 years? 17 years old. Yeah. Burgeoning adult. Just like, took me out of it. So I couldn't, I couldn't get back into the movie. It was so, it's so unbelievable Mm -hmm. (laughs) that, that Megan Fox and Transformers with robots. There's a lot of other things that go on in that (laughs) film that are unbelievable, but you know. I know. 
they really dropped the ball right in the beginning there. Yep. Just took me out of it. You got to establish a grounded reality and airbrushing at 45 degrees just shattered it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's 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 my how believable I think Megan Fox is as as the as an artist in Transformers 2. So Jack Dawson. Jack Dawson. So honestly, I feel like Jack might be the most accurate depiction of an artist Mm -hmm. in all of these. Um, We talked a little bit about like the hands and how like, you know, he was finding beauty and like something that like most people don't initially look at. Like Mm -hmm. people don't initially look at hands when, you know, you show them a portfolio full of nudes. Like they're not going to, they're going to be like, "Mm -hmm, look at you. But like, he's he talks very passionately about like drawing hands and he also starts talking about some of the other subjects that he he's drawn Mm -hmm. um and he has this whole backstory for this one woman that he draws and he's like oh she would come in wearing every every bit of uh jewelry that she owned and she would come into this bar and she was waiting for her like long lost lover and 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 so like he knew so much about his subjects and i thought that was really interesting yeah um He's also, he is a lowborn man, yeah. as us Midwesterners also are lowborn men. Uh, I'm a woman. Anyway, <laughs> just need you guys to know. But I think that there's something relatable to his character for you and I, especially because there, yeah. there is a uh, similar well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we can see ourselves depicted in this character. I'm not eating at the high class tables on the Titanic. No. Give me that Taco Bell table. <laughs> <laughs> that's what uh, i want the downstairs um, fast food corner yeah um panda express please yeah yeah just like the the mall food court but like mm-hmm. on the Titanic. that's the cruise ship part that we resided is the food court part of the of the cruise ship. i've been on one cruise and there were multiple dining areas either you could sit down and uh dress nice for like a fancy dinner or there's the Panda Express mall food court where it's just yeah. spit into the salad and then everybody gets to eat it. Well, I've never been on a cruise because I'm not like a 70-year-old person. I am I will not tell you my age. <laughs> Listeners, get right to us on Twitter and guess how old Ben is. <laughs> I've been on one cruise. That's your only hint. Yep. And I'm definitely a woman. <laughs> no, you're actually just a bunch of like a bunch of uh, uh mice inside of a trench coat or something. Don't t- don't say it's going to throw off their guessing at my age if they know that. <laughs> but yeah, I like like I said in I think it was the first episode, I really love drawing hands. So like that spoke to me. Um I also can imagine Jack being that person who sits on the like subway train and draws like strangers mm-hmm. and then like goes up and gives them the sketch afterwards and like films it all on TikTok. Oh my god. I would love his TikTok. It'd be so sweet. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like it'd be like the super wholesome videos where it's like they hand it to them and they're like, "Oh my god, like no one's ever drawn me before." This like, is thoughtful so, and kind. So good. Mhm. Yeah. I feel like I I would give Jack like a a 9.5 out of 10. Oh. Not a lot of room for improvement there, huh? Yeah. Like, I feel like there were a few things that were just like, mm, okay. But for the most part, I feel like very, very, very strong. Aces. Beautiful. Yeah. 
I, I don't. I haven't watched Titanic in like 20 years, but... Me neither. I mean, I did watch a bunch of clips and like read stuff last night. Um, but in my research of, of, of this segment, uh, I did find a video that I need Beth to watch and and react to. Oh. It's 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 a scene from Titanic. I think you'll I think you'll remember it. It'll all come rushing back to you after you see it. Okay. It's an iconic film. So I do I do recall the important scenes. And maybe this yeah. will help me kind of crystallize my opinion of Jack depicted as an artist. A little bit of a spoiler alert. This is the 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 drawing the the new drawing scene. It's such an old film. You do not need to give me a spoiler alert. I've also seen it. I know, but still. And and for anybody listening, there will be a link in the, the show notes for you. This is three minutes and 35 seconds long, Andrew. Just trust me. You'll, you'll start. You'll know. All right. Jack is setting up the couch. He's fluffing the pillows. He's getting ready for Rose to come and get her titties out. <laughs> He's sharpening his pencil like a true artist, or at least. Yeah. Oh, oh, what's happened? <laughs> Guys, it is not Rose. It is a paper bag puppet. I hate puppets, Andrew. <laughs> this is the worst. It's a it's a paper bag puppet. It's got some pubes on its head. It's wrapped in a blanket. The paper bag just gave Jack some a dime. Just a dime? Yeah. She she hands and it to him slowly, in the actual scene. Slowly pulling its towel off. Oh, it's got a butt, Andrew! Someone drew a little <laughs> butt on the paper bag. Jack can't stand how he feels looking at her. I know originally he's supposed to be aroused by this, but in the context of oh, there's titties, there's titties drawn on the paper bag. <laughs> the context of him looking at this enormous puppet makes it feel like he is deeply uncomfortable with what's going on in not a sexual way. Right. Now, head down. Eyes to me, keep them on me. Oh, it's watching your face right now. It's so glorious. Stay still. This is this is committed. This paper bag is acting. Yeah. It is trying to uh, exude sexuality or sensuality. Wow. So mysterious. And the piano music makes me like oops, they actually love each other. This paper bag and Jack <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the magic of my heart will go on. I can't blink. Uh, my eyes are watering. <laughs> Beth is crying <laughs> <laughs> at watching how beautiful this scene is. Oh, he's drawing the titty. Believe you were blushing, Mr. Big to, to be fair, the shots where they show him drawing the bag is like very accurate to him drawing her in the actual movie because he like 
his landscapes. There are scenes where they show him like blending the the graphite and and whatnot on the page, and uh-huh. they do the same thing with the drawing of the bed. This is high art. The <laughs> piano music has become so loud that it's blown out the speakers <laughs> in my ears. I can't hear anything. We're just zooming in on the paper bag's face. Oh, we're zooming in on the paper bag's face. Yep, because they do that too. They uh, my skin on. is crawling. <laughs> oh, it's over. Oh, it's I, over. I didn't. I didn't know you didn't like puppets. I probably I wouldn't puppets. have. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have done that had I known you did like puppets. Oh my I gosh! Just, I didn't know it was something I needed to tell you. <laughs> My favorite thing about that video is it's not like labeled like like oh we replaced Rose with this bag. It's just like yeah, Jack Dawson drawing scene and you're just like oh yeah, this must be it. And I just like clicked on it thinking like that was the legit scene. And then like the oh, bag man. pops out and I was just cackling. <laughs> Maybe in a future episode I will talk about my sordid history with puppetry. <laughs> But one day. they just it makes me feel so oh, weird. But- it's so weird that like there's a human being who's talking to me, but I'm supposed to look at their hand, which is dressed up. And and it has an identity that is independent of the actual human being who it's attached to. It's just I respect the artistry. It makes my hands sweat. I can't do it. Like in the same way that some people have a thing about uh, things that have a lot of holes. That's me and puppets. I, again, though, I did not know this. So this was very... It, there was a <laughs> level of entertaining that like I was not expecting with this. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to bring this up later. You're going to be like, Beth, don't worry, I won't do a puppet thing. But I have another video for you to watch. And it'll be another <laughs> fucking puppet thing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. That is kind of... I feel like that's already like my MO of what I like, do. You're a scamp. Maybe I'll get you puppet versions of you and Mike. I'll directly in the trash. But but what if they're like a thoughtful gift for me? Then I'll maybe like put them behind glass so no one can put their hands up our assholes. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so that's that's Jack. Well, we can we can move on to Isaac now. <laughs> um So with Isaac, I feel like I feel like he's like the romanticized artist. Like this is what everyone like wants their art friend to be like mm-hmm. like, if, like if, if you don't have an art friend or you have like one and you're not the art friend you like look at this art friend and you're just like yes this is this is what you do you're always covered in paint you have long luxurious hair and like five o'clock shadow all the time uh you you have to paint in your tank top you can't paint with your tank top and your button-up shirt because he routinely is shown going from tank top button-up shirt to taking the button-up shirt off. I'm Googling this guy. As he's painting. So I would say, like, that that alone is, like, very, like, romanticized, I feel like. Um, the other thing, too, that I just couldn't get over was the fact that he's a comic book artist, but he has, like, this kick-ass loft in New York. Wait, he's a comic book artist? The way that you described him earlier, as somebody who yeah. had never watched Heroes, is that he does these large, grand paintings in his big, beautiful studio space that depict the future. Not that he's sitting down at his drafting table making Batmans. So he does, he, he, he kind of does both. 
So he starts out and he, he, as an artist, he becomes well-known or makes a name for himself via a comic that he worked on in the show. Oh, these are very My Chemical Romance. Yeah. And then like, and then because of that, he starts painting some, he also does larger paintings. But even the larger paintings, I still feel like have a comic book style to them. I see. Um, and the the big paintings are the ones that start to become like, quote unquote, famous and sell in the uh, fine art world of New York. So like right away, I'm like, hey, as a comic book artist, like, bro should not be able to afford that loft. They don't make any money. No, absolutely not. And it's a tragedy because comic book artists are some of the most skilled of us all. Oh, absolutely. And do, they're the workhorses of the illustrator world. And they deserve so much more than they are able to get. Like, that is a depiction of what art, what comic book artists should be paid. Mm-hmm. They should be able to have that big-ass cool loft in New York City. Um, but they sadly aren't. Like, I did a job not too long ago for a comic book cover it was through like a comic company it wasn't it wasn't just like a indie company and it mm-hmm. still the pay was n- very low that's what's sad that's what keeps me away from sequential art is because yeah. i i need a certain amount of money in order to sur- you know survive in the world yeah. because i i am low born as jack was you're in third class i'm a third class lady i'm right i'm right there with you yeah and it's so tragic because I, I love making comics. I would love mm-hmm. to do that if I could survive off of it, but yeah. I don't think I can. Yeah, I just, I, I feel like his, I feel like Isaac's depiction as an artist is very much the romanticized, like, oh, you know, he's he struggles with addiction and his addiction leads to these wonderful paintings and, and he gets so, like, caught up in, in that side of things. And I feel like it's a little bit, like... It's almost like that meme that's like, this is what my family thinks I do. This is what society thinks I do. I I does. This is what society thinks that I do. And I feel like it's that that meme where it's like, oh, this is society's view of an artist. Mm-hmm. And so I think I would give him like, hmm, like a seven point five or an eight. Oh, out I was 10. thinking like a four, because I don't know any artists who live that lifestyle. Yeah, me neither. Okay, maybe I'll revise it. We'll say we'll we'll say like a five. Say Six. five. All right. Collectively, Six. average it. Seven and four, it's a five. Yeah. Math. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my rating system for, for kind of how believable I think these artists are. Mm-hmm. But now I want to wildly speculate on why these fictional artists were depicted they the way they were. Yes. And Andrew can see right here. I grabbed the closest sheet of paper. Uh, which is an envelope that I got from the Department of the Treasury International Revenue Service. And oh, I've is just it been... your letter from Biden? Yeah. That, that talks about your uh, stimulus check. It is like, if you didn't get this within seven days of this letter, like, do this. Uh-huh. I got that too today. <laughs> it's my, I got my, it's my envelope for my food stamps. And, uh, <laughs> and on it, I've scrabbled, scrabbled down. Uh, all my thoughts on 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 this topic because I think yeah I think those three artists that you chose for this for this episode are really interesting contrasts because they each kind of represent a different um, popularized depiction of mm-hmm. artists in media yeah like 
Megan Fox airbrushing. She is not an artist. She's a mechanic. She's a cool girl. There's, yeah. there's a whole fucking thing out there about girls who are cool girls. She's a cool girl. Uh, other cool girls include the girl with the... They always... I, I gotta look them up. Um, <laughs> I want to know who you were going to say before you, like, got in your head about it. Oh, it's the girl from the Lego movie. Oh, um... Lucy is her name. Oh, uh, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks' character. Yeah, yeah. she's a cool girl. Oh, she's such. I love her. I love her. As of an course actress. you she's do. Because so she's funny. a cool. There's there's a whole genre of uh, love interest girls in young adult media that mm. are like made to be what boys are like. Oh my god, I I would love to date her. She's the perfect dateable like. She's like the guys, but she's still a girl, and she's, like, artsy and weird and creative. Um, yeah. Right now I'm reading The Raven Boys, and the main girl in The Raven Boys is a little edgelordy like this. They mm -hmm. always have, like, crazy hair. They always have streaks in their hair. Oftentimes they're Asian or mixed race. Um, there's, like, a little bit of that, like, uh, ethnic allure or whatever. Like, it, so there's so many things tied into this depiction. Mm -hmm. But Megan Fox, as a sex symbol... Um, in the time that Transformers came out, it makes total sense to me that she would be depicted as somebody who is displaying artistic and like edgy artistic proclivities. Mm -hmm. So she's airbrushing a motorcycle in it, you said, right? Yes. Yes. It is a characteristic of these cool girls to be creatively expressive while not being artists per se. Mm -hmm. And so that's Megan Fox, right? Jack Dawson, I think, is an example of, like, the seductive or sexy elements of being an artist. Um, yeah. Through Rose's eyes over and over and over, you see her viewing Jack as being somebody who is sensual, who is sensitive, yeah. who is connected to... What's another word yeah, for that? Yeah, to kind of, like, his emotions and, like, he's a little bit more, like... The whole thing is they show how disconnected she is with her fiancé. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about what she does. He's off partying and, and smoking cigars and with the other, like, first class uh, passengers. Yeah, you know, rich boy antics. Yeah. But you've got I this... I don't know what those are, but yeah. <laughs> Neither do I. But then you've got this, this sensitive artist that she falls in love with and frankly objectifies because that's not what it's about for him. Over and yeah. over, he's like, no, I was interested in hands. Like, I'm interested in capturing the stories of these people. That's why I draw. And she's like, oh, well, draw me and then we'll bone. Because for her, it's sexy. Yeah. And it's such a it's such a, again, exotic, different thing from the buttoned up, tight laced puritanical world that she's yeah. used to and then you've got isaac mendez the romanticized artist kind of from the perspective of culture and artists at large like he is the goal he is mm -hmm. i want at some point to have a studio apartment with like big lofted ceilings and yeah. giant windows overlooking a beautiful nature scape or cityscape and have like so much room to just throw paint at canvases and for my artwork to be magical. He is the magical yeah. artist. I think he even paints his floor at one point with this really huge sprawling like scene. Really? When, in one of his trances, yeah. And he comes out and they, because I, I remember the shot, they like, he they, they do the whole thing where it's like his eyes are all like milky and he's like just, you know, feverishly painting as, as we do as artists. And then 
all of a sudden he like his he like comes to and his eyes like go back to normal and then the camera like zooms out and like kind of goes above him and then you see this like sprawling like painting that he's done on the floor that's like all these different future scenarios that are going to play out he's prophetic he knows how to commune with god and with the other and with the ether and translates that into artwork he is he is people think that artists are born into the world fully formed and can like do these things and he's an example of that like he's somebody Mm -hmm. who has like been given the gift right yeah and he uses that gift for the heroes i don't know i didn't watch the show his eyes roll back into his head and suddenly there's inspiration yeah but then on top of that you also have what you said the drug abuse he's somebody who like won't give up vices because he believes that those vices are what leads to his creativity which is fundamentally untrue it is a thing that can lead to creativity it is not the only path towards creativity by a long shot however a lot of people think it is because of depictions of artists in in over and over guys there are so many people who are afflicted by drugs and alcohol who do not express creativity and are not um it's not exclusive to creative fields not at all but we only yeah. talk about the ones who are highly successful in creative fields who also are afflicted in these ways, which then links, like, culturally, we go, oh, there must be a pattern here. There's not. There's just a lot of people in the world, and we're only talking about a couple of them. Yeah. So how fun. you got edgy cool girl attribute, seductive objectification of the artist, and then artist as magician or prophet. Yeah. And there's reasons, there are reasons why these characters are depicted as artists. It's never, you never just see a casual artist in media. Yeah. Which is weird because so many artists work in media. You have to hire them at like every stage. So you would think that they'd be depicted more often. Yeah. I wonder if it comes down to a matter of like, you know, as an illustrator, like when, when I'm doing an illustration for a client, I'm constantly thinking about like, okay, what is what is the most understandable way to illustrate the thing that I'm trying to illustrate? Yeah. And I wonder if it just comes down to like, okay, well, like, you know, like, you know, what's the general public going to understand from this and kind of making it as like easy to digest as possible. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of fall into these tropes. Yep. And I've seen a lot of interesting arguments about how unnecessary that is, like how intelligent an audience is to be Mm -hmm. able to understand the story without those shorthands. Show don't tell. Show don't tell. And uh, I think I was speaking a little bit too soon earlier when I said, like, all artists are artists for a reason. Because I did write down um, there off the top of my head, there's a couple uh, artistic people who are not like first and foremost artists and their artistic expressions aren't like indication of much more than just that they can draw like arthur in red dead redemption 2 the old cowboy that you play uh as a function of the video game as you explore the world he'll bring out his journal and he'll sketch what he sees he'll sketch new animals he'll sketch environments um and sometimes it's scientific and sometimes it's just musings like poetic musings yeah and it does indicate that he has a deeper well of um appreciation for the world than his like gunslinging bad boy Mm -hmm. self expresses outside of that um but it doesn't it's atypical you talking about that character from red dead redemption makes me think of hiccup in how to train your dragon does he do the same thing 
he's shown sketching out ideas for how to fix Toothless's tail. Yeah. And different. He he like uses it as a way to like visually think things out for how he's going to, you know, build these contraptions. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they use that as a way to, you know, instead of him stating the fact like, oh, I need to build this thing to fix the tail of this dragon, they show him you know, at a, in a in his workshop, like with a light on, like late at night, like sketching. Mm-hmm. The show don't tell, baby. Yeah, yeah. My other poll would be Miles Morales from the Spider Verse. Ooh, dang! Ah, oh, that would have been such a good one. I'm mad now. That would have been so good. Gotcha. To use. Gotcha. Why? Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> It would be funny to just randomly do a, why didn't I think of that joke? And it's like, well, now we're doing the segment. <laughs> that would be great. I think that could be the game of just like, we'll, we will plan to have, why didn't I think of that? Like in a segment, but if it naturally comes up, we just have to jump to it. All right. You've said it. You've said it. And that has triggered the segment. Welcome to what's quickly becoming my favorite segment, wherein both of us share something that we saw this week that made us say, why didn't I think of that? And normally there's a part in the episode where the segment goes, but we've decided that if it comes up, whoops, this is when it happens. It's meant to be. Just just like uh, the career of an artist, if an opportunity knocks, you just got to go with it. You just got to go with it. You can't yeah. say no. <laughs> <laughs> so my why didn't I think of that? I've, I did, I, I've been trying to stay off of social media this week. Mm-hmm. And so mine came real late in the game. As a matter of fact, it came right before we hit record when <laughs> Andrew was sharing with me how he just met a deadline with ease. Like he finished early and it was really nice and gentle and fine. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, what the, uh, you, fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I, I hope you leave that in. That would be great. <laughs> There's so much that I cut out of this podcast of me just being like, <laughs> my tongue gets too big for my mouth is what happens. <laughs> no, he was saying how good that feels. No, he wasn't. I was saying how good that feels just in yeah. casual conversation back and forth. And he went, wow, how can we turn that into a candle scent? And I think that's so funny. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you right here on this podcast. What do you think about me maybe doing a couple sketches of candle scents that are uh, un unscented feelings? <laughs> like finishing great. deadlines ahead of time or taking it's... out the garbage before it's overflowing or... God, I'm just imagining what that like label would look like. I'm just picturing like me just like asleep on my like art table with like all my art supplies around me. Ooh, no, you know what it should be. It, it should it, be. It's not even, I'm not even designing the candle. I'm just drawing a candle yeah, I that know. says. I, I'm thinking of like the label. I'm thinking of like a fake label that goes on. I see, on, I see. Like, like you could just cover uh, any candle with this fake label that Beth makes. And it's just like, it's just like, this is the oh. scent that is finishing a job early. Why didn't I think of that? Dude. <laughs> Two, two in one episode. Yeah, I'm over here being like, I could draw a little Boom. candle that says that it'd be funny. You'd like a tattoo. And you're like, what if I make a I'm... label that goes on any candle and transforms an existing candle into this funny joke? 
Yeah. God damn, dude. I'm full of good ideas. You really are. Hear that? Potential art directors that might be listening to this. I hope they're I hope they're not listening to this. Yeah, please don't listen to this. <laughs> no, but my my vision for that label would be like camera at the top of an art desk looking where like towards like where the chair is. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the art supplies and like the finished project on the art desk. And then in the background you see the artist flipping the light off, leaving the <gasps> studio. It's finished with time to spare. Yep. You were able to neatly clean your office before going to bed. Could you imagine? Right? Take all the dishes that you've accumulated. Like you're don't, the, like you're don't. the girl from science and you have cups of water everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's what the studio looks like at the end of the night. It's my morning ritual to make a cup of coffee, walk into my office, and then clear yeah. my office of all of the old dishes from yesterday's food. And it's yeah. probably bad. I mean, I do... I, I leave cups everywhere. Like, I, my theory is that the girl in science is actually an artist because she just leaves cups everywhere. Whoa. Yep. Only five of them are paint water, and the, her dad doesn't know which she one. She always drinks out of the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how clearly you label your paint water, you will drink out you of it at some point or another. Where's the movie that has that happen? That would be so real. That'd oh, be like God. in the Suicide Squad where like the girls are like, "Here's a hair tie," ah, yeah. and every all the women were like, "Oh my God, representation!" <laughs> we the artists need it too. Drink your yeah. paint water. Give us representation, Hollywood. <laughs> Have an artist drink their paint water, and then just keep painting. <laughs> he doesn't notice. No one draws yeah. any attention to it. It's just like a low key thing only for people yeah. in the audience who know. Or they just kind of, they just kind of like, <clears throat> and then they like move it further away from them mm-hmm. from where they it initially was. It's so real. Um, That's how we're all gonna die. Uh, what's your? Why didn't I think of that? Ah, yes, mine. Uh, mine once again comes from a TikTok that I saw earlier this week, and it's this guy. And I just sent it to you, Beth, so you can watch it at some point. Uh, but it's this guy and he he opens it and he's like, so, what are some of your favorite creative outlets? And then he then he like kneels down and reveals a, a, an electrical outlet. And he says, this is my electrical outlet, George. And sometimes when I am like high or intoxicated, uh, George reads me like poetry and stuff like that and talks about the the outlet being creative and i was just like god damn it why didn't i think of that tiktok is so funny because not only do they have the joke which is my creative outlet is an yeah. actual outlet but then yeah. it keeps going yep and it builds yep. on its like you can just stop all of the millennials think that's funny but the gen zers are like no there's more and you need to hear it and he goes yeah. on to describe his creative outlet as being creative in and of himself yeah and it's just an out. It's just an outlet. Like he, he talks about the 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 outlet reading like slam poetry, and I'm just like, God damn it! Like, because now I'm just imagining like a T-shirt with like just a, an electrical outlet, but then it mm-hmm. has like paint splattered on it, and it just says creative outlet. Yes. Yeah. You. That's fine. I don't. I don't. Hmm. Or or maybe it's like a a, a power outlet with like a a beret. And it just says creative outlet. <laughs> yeah. This segment really makes me think about how um, how to take our inspiration and how to take things that, that we're impressed by and influenced by and uh, 
at what point are you allowed to make something off of that, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, you can't just copy his joke. But the idea of a creative yeah. outlet as depicted in an image on a T-shirt with a different joke, like the core Ooh. of that is still there. Is yeah. that joke thievery? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's I have a book called Steal Like an Artist, and it's it talks about like it talks about how, you know, and we can we could have a whole goddamn episode on this. It talks about how, like, we as artists, our art is influenced by the things that we enjoy. And so yeah. being able to, like, like as an artist, you they, they always talk about style. And, you know, you got to have a style. You got to have a recognizable style. You got to blah, 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 style, style, style. Uh-huh. Um, but it really just comes down to, like, you just, like, pick and choose parts of, like, art and media and writing and music that you like. And it turns into who you are as an artist. And and eventually translates into your work. And then you look at your work and you're like, God damn, I watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z growing up, didn't mm-hmm. I? And that's and, beautiful and nebulous, but I'm here yeah. to be like, specifically, can I put an outlet on a shirt that says creative outlet? I mean, I think I I agree with what you initially said, where it's like, as long as it's not like you being like, oh, here's my my electrical outlet that does slam poetry when I'm like if you say the exact same joke like then uh-huh then i feel like you're in you're in the the plagiarism territory yeah but i yeah. feel like if you bounce off of that and you start to be like oh i'm gonna put a beret on this on this electrical outlet or i'm going to put a turtleneck on this electrical outlet yeah i'm trying to think of other like artist stereotypes that you could give an electrical outlet that you could and i'm over here trying outlet. to think of other definitions of an outlet and it's oh Oh, a creative outlet, and I've drawn an owlet, like a baby owl, Aww. and everyone's like, that's not right. And it's got a little beret on. <laughs> and it's got a beret on. There I you want, go. That's you're A the, to C. You're the bird person. Draw that. I might. I might. I got a couple ideas after this one. Because I'm not, I, I feel like if I ever did, like, I couldn't, because I have pigeonholed myself into the style that I have, I don't think I could make a uh, uh, creative outlet t-shirt. Like, it would feel very out of place with the rest of my work. Or you do it, and then mm-hmm. you do it again, and then you do it again, and now you have another branch of your creative style. But that requires commitment. Yes, it does. <laughs> and boy, ain't that the word. Okay, I wrote creative owlet. <laughs> yes. Can it also be holding like a, a cord, a power cord? It's got a little <laughs> c- cigarette. <laughs> yes, it's got a little cigarette. And like bags under its eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so we're <laughs> <laughs> This is where we both try to end this. The, the podcast, but we keep interrupting each other, so it never happens. Mm-hmm. We still got a couple minutes here, though. Uh, first, small red dot time. I'm calling this the small red dot time because whenever you get a notification, that's what you're looking for is the small red dot. We're recording these first episodes in a bubble, but once they're out, we're going to want notifications. So share your favorite coffee mugs, show us your cats, ask us questions that we're ill-equipped to answer. Show us your favorite creative outlets. Please take a picture of the your wall plugs. And send them our way. Tweet at your art friends or email us at art your, art your, 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 
at your art friends at pod. Oh, no, Beth. <laughs> Tweet at your art friends or email us at yourartfriendspod at gmail.com because we want to bring you into the show because friendship is a two-way street. So come find us on Twitter. Um, should I rewrite that? Maybe. I mean, you started out very confident, and then you 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 also just like I got flaccid. <laughs> you just pulled that that emergency brake right there at the last second. Truly did. Uh, do you get what we're saying though? We want you to talk to us. Yes, hit us up on the Twitters. Uh, you can find me at Schmandrew Art everywhere, uh, mostly Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also check out uh, my stuff on my online store at schmandrewart.com and my Patreon. And I'm at Beth B. Red all over the internet. I have a Twitch stream Mondays and Tuesdays around 12 Pacific Standard Time. Patreon, you know. Yeah. Now that we're at the end, artist recommendation. Yes. Earlier on, I said that I've been, uh, my brain's been noodled by, by this guy. I don't know why I thought that was funny. It's... What's happened is there's a thing called earworming. Yeah. If someone, if, if you have an earworm, but yeah. he's not, I haven't listened to him speak, yeah. but he is in my brain it's in the same eye-worm. way that. It's an eye worm. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Shen Xiang is my eye worm. I can't stop thinking about his artwork. And it's funny it's because so I have a good. poster, a Godzilla poster from Mondo in 2015 that sits behind me all the time. And I love this poster, but I never thought to look up the rest of the artist's yeah. work. And I should have, but also maybe not, because this week happens to be like the perfect time for me to view the stuff that he makes. You know what? It gives me Courage the Cowardly Dog vibes. Really? Yeah, it's like that like illustration mixed with like textures and things that you wouldn't think go together. Yes. And that's the thing that I want to point out. That's what's been mm-hmm. really messing me up in a good way. Um, he's a Shanghai native. He's London-based. Loves Hong Kong. All of his like life influences you can see in his work. He's got this screen print poster style, but he also has this like anime cell shading style, and he also is an incredible draftsman and does these mm-hmm. enormously complicated environments. Uh, he works traditionally with pen and ink and pencil, and then he scans those in and colors them intricately in, I assume, Photoshop. I don't know his life. MS Paint. <laughs> but he's got this one piece called Godzilla vs. Destroya, and it just so happens to be another Godzilla print. It's changing my life. I can't stop thinking about this piece because in it, successfully, he has simple cell shading. He has complex textural patterns. He has just blank, solid shapes. He has a wide range of values from like a really low key monster in the background to a full range of blacks to whites in the foreground. There's line art in some places. There's not line art in some other places. Some of it looks like a little bit photographic, like the smoke in the background. I looking at this piece makes me feel allowed to do whatever I want with my own artwork. And the piece that I've been working on, while I love it, it feels very constrained to a specific style because like you said earlier, we have to have the same style across all of our pieces. And I look at his work and it tells me that I am allowed to do weird shit to this piece and give it a bunch of bizarre textures and I don't have to be constrained to only one type of rendering. All of it can work very successfully in the same image and I I love it. I, I haven't felt this inspired by one single image 
in a long time. Well, we've come to the end of the podcast. Sometimes we were serious and sometimes it was just tomfoolery. Shout out to famed 16th century court jester tomfool. But that's just what you get when two friends who met because of a shared love of making things and a bare ass sit down to make a podcast. (laughs) Have it on my phone. Your Art Friends is a More Park Media production. Our music is by Andrew Smith. You can listen to his music on Spotify and iTunes under the name Makeshift Radio. 